good morning, everybody. It's good to see everybody who made it here in the house, all of you who are watching online. Hello to you as well. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I don't know how long you go before that is frowned upon. I'm probably right on the verge, right? Like it's been like seven days. I don't know for you when you're like, stop saying Happy New Year, but Happy New Year, and that's the last time you'd hear it. Uh, but how, I just, however you celebrate it, I, I really do pray and hope that you had a great Christmas. Uh, and that you ushered in the new year. And I know for us here at River Ridge here, we are ready for, for, to set a new year for us uh, as a church, to set a new spiritual year for us. And uh, it got me thinking, speaking of New Year's and all that stuff. I, how many of you actually really still do this? How many of you set goals? Anybody set goals? I'm not gonna say resolutions. Yeah, raise your hand high, be proud. Yeah, not a lot of you. Okay, so, uh, you know, I do, I set some goals, uh, but I was curious about this as, as I was setting up uh, this series, getting ready for the message here. I, I just wanted to see where people are with the goals that they're setting. So I actually found a survey. Uh, this was Forbes Health from, it was just from October 2023 of what people are doing. Here's the top five New Year's resolutions for this year. Probably not a surprise to all of you, right? It's the same every time. So number one is improved fitness. Number two is finances. Three is mental health. That was last year's number one, by the way. And, and I don't know, maybe, maybe we're getting a little bit better with our mental health. I think that's a good thing. Uh, weight loss, number four, and improved diet is number five. So there's kind of a theme there on the top five, if you can see it. Uh, but, but here's what I found interesting in this survey. I found this very interesting, that, that of the thousand people surveyed, 62% said they felt pressured to make, to set a resolution. And I, I, was, I was like, why do you feel pressure? Who's pressuring you to do this? Uh, and then catch this. So the percentage of people who complete a resolution, anyone take a shot at that? What percentage do you think completes it? Nine, nine percent. Okay, now this is what I found really funny. The thousand people that were surveyed, 80% said they feel confident they'll reach their goal. Okay, so I just, we're very an optimistic bunch. You know what I'm saying? So even 9% will get there. So, you know, whether or not you set some goals, I'm, re I'm really excited for what God has for us this new year as a church. And so how we're kicking this off uh, in this new season for us is over the next five weeks, we're not gonna talk about resolutions. We're gonna just look at some choices that we can make. And, and how we're doing that is if you have your notes there, you can grab those. We're actually wrapping these choices in with the core values that we have as a church. And so I just thought it would be a good idea to revisit those. A lot of you might not know what they are. You're new or been visiting. Uh, and some of you have been here for a long time. And I just think it's always good to refresh ourselves on the core values. So uh, as we look at these, uh, these are the core values that we have here in, in your notes if you have them. Uh, but these are things, these core values are things that help us accomplish accomplish the mission that we have. The mission of the church is clear. Every church has the same mission. And it's this, that Jesus said what our mission was. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that I commanded. So that's the mission that we have. But, but what we wanna do is we just have some things that help us give a map of how we accomplish that mission. And that's where these core values come in. These are defined ways. Uh, all churches have different ones, but this is how we do it. Uh, so we're just gonna use these to help us make some good choices with us and God individually and as a church. And, and so, he, and here's what I believe, by the way, before we get going this morning, I believe this about every person in this room, everybody watching, in fact, everybody who's ever existed. There is, there is just something in all of us 
that will always wonder if there's a plan to follow, if there's like something that unlocks the purpose of your life. And I'm here to tell you that through Jesus, in the name of Jesus, that Christianity has and always will say yes to that question. I believe that, that it says yes, that we are here because if we have confidence in Jesus Christ, that we have confidence in the fact that there is a God, there is a God who created you and he knows your name, that you are not some random entity, you're not just a glob of molecules and, and he is interested in you and he's interested in you finding the purpose and living this out and he has that for you that's his plan and this thing in all of us and in you that is wondering these kind of things i believe it's like a beacon pointing to the greater thing the better thing and that's our heavenly father god creator who made us and made a way for us and so here's what i'm gonna tell you right off the bat okay everybody god is speaking he is speaking to you right now in this moment. He's speaking to you every moment in your lives and he has a plan for your life. Does anybody agree with that today? Yes, we are here because we believe that. We really do believe that. So let's start making some choices that puts us in a better position to see him and hear him more clearly. And here's the first choice that we're gonna look at today. Today, we are going to choose to be passionate for God. We're gonna choose to be passionate for God. So let's get to it. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those and open them up to Matthew chapter 17. That's where we're gonna be today. Matthew 17, as you're getting there, I think a great choice that we can make this season, this year, is to be just to find more enthusiasm in living for God. I think that's a good choice to make. So the core value that we're wrapping this around, if you're seeing it in your notes, uh, is living God's way is better. That's the core value that we're bringing in with this. And here's what I would say to that. I would say that, that pretty much everyone would agree with that that's here. Right, I, I would guess that you're here, or at least that 99% of you are here in this room or watching because you believe that God's way of doing life is a little bit better than your way of doing life. And that's why you're here today. And so listen, with this choice that we're talking about this morning, here's what I wanna do. I'm not asking if you agree with living God's way. I figure you do, but it's this. How passionate are you about following God in his ways? Like, what would you say your enthusiasm level is when it comes to living out God's plan for your life? Not, listen, not when the choices are easy and when they're crystal clear and black and white, but it's especially, listen, when you come up against your feelings in God's way, right? Or, or your desires in God's way, because here's what I'm gonna tell you today. Your choices in those moments are very much tied to not just believing that God's way is better, but how passionate you are about following God and his way. So let's get some things under our belts to understand what that looks like and what it means. So, so what, actually, what actually drives passion, for God, what drives having enthusiasm and living for God? Uh, as I thought about this and looked into the lives of people that I see it so prevalently, here is a common factor. It's not just one factor, but the one that I'm gonna talk about. The common factor for folks uh, who would say they have it, and, and it's for most people, this is one, this is what I wanna talk about today. It's, it's one that I don't think a lot of people would actually connect the dots with because uh, what if I told you, what if I told you that finding passion and enthusiasm for God is actually found through fear. See, I told you that's not what you were thinking of, was it? Unless you looked at the notes and cheated. But I'm just saying that that is not something, the answer that most were thinking, that fear. But, but here's what I'm gonna tell you, everybody. If you point me to someone who is following God with fervor and great dedication, they have a healthy fear of who God is, what he's done, and what he can do in their lives. And so let's talk about it. So that fear that I'm talking about today, uh, it's a fear that we see in the Bible, and it's translated from the Hebrew word yaira. That's a fear we're talking about today and it actually means here's what it means it means awe or reverence 
That's the fear that we're talking about. So, so fearing the Lord, here's what it means. It means having an overwhelming sense of reverence of knowing God's power that inspires all in our souls. That's what it is. So it's having an overwhelming sense of reverence for God's power that inspires all in our souls. It's a fear of God uh, that, that the proverb says be, is the beginning of wisdom. That's how, that's how wisdom is gained uh, for, for all of us who are wanting wisdom and need wisdom so badly in our lives. It's the fear of God that actually brings wisdom into our lives. And it's the fear of the Lord that captures this concept of wonder because of God's holiness. That's what we're gonna talk about today. Uh, and I'm just gonna say it before we get going today. I, I just feel like why God's put this so uh, heavy on my heart. Man, I'm just telling you, I think we've lost reverence for God, everybody. It's already gone in our culture, but I even think for us as a church, I think you, we can easily lose a sense of awe and respect for our Heavenly Father. So here's what I'm gonna say. Let's get back to it. Like, let's get some reverence in our, in our walk with God. Let's get some awe and respect and reverence for Him uh, in this new year for our Heavenly Father, okay? So, so today, here's what I want us to do. I just wanna give us a moment with this to have a time to ask God, okay, man, am I, is my perspective with you right, God? Like, is how I'm seeing me and how I'm seeing you, is that the right way that I'm going after it, okay? So I just want us to be able to do that. So today my goal is for us to know what a healthy fear of the Lord is, because I think some of us grew up with, with an unhealthy fear and what that looks like, and then move towards it, to actually take a step towards that fear, to make a choice to move in it. Because here's what I'm gonna tell you. This is, what I, this is kind of my uh, uh, mission statement here for the day. I think the more that you move towards a healthy fear of God, then you're gonna see your passion for following him increase. And so if you want that, then let's get after it today. And so we're going to get help from God's word in Matthew 17. If you made your way there, we're going to pick this up in verse one. Here's what it says. It says, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. So when I read the first thing that sticks out to me, it's, it's just, I don't know, it says after six days. I just found that oddly descriptive, didn't you? Oddly specific, it says after six specific days. So what happened? What happened six days ago? Well, if you go back into Matthew 16, and the, and the, the same account is in the book of Mark, uh, Mark 9, and if you back up into Mark 8, here's what it says. This is what happened six days before. It was the first time that God told, the, or Jesus told the guys that he was gonna die, that he was going to be crucified. And, and this was huge. And this was like a moment they remembered. Like that was six days ago. I remember that because this was a complete uh, misdirection from what they thought was actually gonna happen. This was uh, significantly changing the way they thought all this was going down. And so uh, if you were here in the pre this past year with us in, in our relevant study, here's what we learned about this as we went through uh, the story of Jesus. What we learned is that Rome in Jesus' day, they were in total military power at that time. They were in total power. And they eventually became the enemy of God's people, the enemy of Israel. And so Jesus's followers, what they were waiting for was they were waiting for God to send them a savior to come in and just take them away from the oppressive regime that they were experiencing. And so here's what we'll tell you. They did not have Jesus being crucified on their bingo card, everybody. Like they, that was, a, that was a, they were like, wait, what? You're going to die. And so, and, and by the way, I always wanna point this out when, when we come across these things, when things seem oddly specific and detailed, I just think that points to the authenticity of, of what we're reading, everybody. I just why would you, if this is made up, why would that be in there? Hey, after six days, we remember this. I'm just saying, just little breadcrumbs to point us at knowing that this is not just a made up story. So Jesus takes these three guys, okay? He takes them up on a mountain with him and they were brought, here, they were brought in to a really intimate thing with Jesus because when you read the story of Jesus, 
in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you haven't, I really want everybody to just do that. That's a great thing to start this year. I would, I would tell you to start in the book of John. If you've never done that, read the story of Jesus. But when you come, go through those stories, uh, you will see time and time again uh, where Jesus would, would go off by himself to be alone. And what he would do is we go off to spend time with God. And then he, he would come back from that all the time, refreshed, ready for what's gonna happen, ready to get back to work, ready for the world that was in front of him. And honestly, gang, I really think that it's in there so many times. And again, if you read it, you'll see it's all over the place. I think Jesus is trying to give us a key here for us and the keys to peace and renewal in our lives. I'm telling you, I just think something happens when you give God some space and you have some margin in your life to, and, you, and you do this, rest a little bit. I know that's like, what's that? I'm telling you, I think God can do that. I think so often we wonder why we're so stressed out or out of energy or feeling left empty and God is going, yeah, I wonder why. I wonder why. And, and so, and this is such a huge issue, by the way, uh, for us that in February, after we're done with this series, we're gonna take a whole month in the month of February and, and we're gonna give you God's plan for how we can and we should eliminate the hurry in our lives and find margin and find peace and find the rest that he asked for us. And I'm, I'm just gonna say this, uh, I, ju- I think we have to have a reset on what we use as the metrics for success, everybody. Anybody with me on that? I'm just saying, so if you're interested in finding some margin and rest and peace, come back in February. We're gonna look at that. We're gonna call it No More Hurry. Uh, so get ready for that. I think it'll be a good month in February as well. So, so they go up on this mountain, okay, and they're alone with Jesus. Reading on, it says, there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. And so here's the thing. I feel like what we just read should not be read like anything else. I think it should be like bold caps, like bright. So I did it for us. Here's a, like, read it this way. There he was transfigured, right? That's the way I think we should actually see it and read it. Okay, so I just, so just think about this. These guys, right, Jesus saying, come with me. Right, and they're trotting up the mountain, just hiking and hiking and getting up there, probably getting tired, uh, wondering when they're gonna stop. And then they finally get to the top and then they're all alone and, and they just stop and they're standing there in silence. And they're just looking around and they're waiting. Like, what, do we just get, come over here to get a better view or what? What are we doing here, Jesus, right? And then in that moment, it happens. This man, Jesus, is shown in all of his glory. It says he's so bright, he's bright like the sun. He's so, his white, his appearance glows. It's, it's gotta be blinding in that moment. And Jesus in this moment reveals who he really is, everybody. He's shown in all of his glory. And, and I couldn't imagine what that would be like. It's, like. it's unlike anything they've ever seen again uh, in their lives. It's amazing. And then on top of that, Moses shows up. And then Elijah comes in and then now they're all three having a conversation, I guess. And I, I again, I wonder when I read, I'm like, how did they know it was Moses and Elijah? I mean, they, these, these cats have been dead for hundreds and hundreds of years. So I don't know, did Jesus introduce them? I don't know where he was like, my bad, my bad, Moses, this is these three guys I'm telling you about. You know, I, mean, I don't know. And they're like, oh, hi, Moses, I don't know. It's gotta be crazy, it's a crazy scene, crazy scene. And so here's my question, what would you do? What would you say? How would you react? Well, you don't have to wonder what Peter would do or how Peter would react because he shows us. And here's how Peter breaks the ice right in that moment. Here's what it says. Peter goes, Lord, it's good for us to be here. And they're like, what? So Peter, the leader of this whole bunch, 
like he's like, hey, it's good that we're here. And they're like, Peter, really? He's like, well, you guys weren't saying anything. I don't know what to say. Like, I just find that crazy. That's all he said. In fact, I love Mark's account. This is what Mark says. You can look, look it up later. And, and it's even funnier when you know that actually most people believe that this is Peter telling Mark what to write. So look what it says. It says, hey, he didn't know what to say. They were so afraid. He's like, you wouldn't do any better. You wouldn't do any better. I just think that's kind of funny. Uh, stuck out to me. I don't know. I think sometimes it's funny. Anyways, so they're, so they're, you know, they're just like, wow, it's, it's good to be here. And so then uh, next verse, oh wait, yeah, next verse. It says, while he was speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. So this right here, gang, is the fear of God. That's what we're gonna be talking about. So imagine that, that in this moment that God reveals himself and he reveals who Jesus is, he shows them the divinity of Jesus right in front of them. And Moses and Elijah were there. And if you've ever wondered, again, I, I always wonder when I read things like, why did they show up? Why were those two guys the ones that showed up? Well, they showed up there for a specific reason because Moses and Elijah were two very prominent and important figures to, to the Jewish faith. Moses, and they were there to confirm the mission of Jesus. That's why they were there. See, Moses, he represented the law. He represents to them the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, all the commandments of the law. And so Moses was there to show that Jesus was there to fulfill the law. And then Elijah, see, he was a prophet. And so he was there to represent Jesus fulfilling all the words of all the prophets. And what happens is, see, both of those guys go away, leaving only Jesus there. Because listen, everybody, Jesus isn't just another prophet. He's not just another Moses. He is above all, and he's an ultimate authority of everything that's ever been existed. This was an amazing event. And the guys were terrified. I think, and you who have come into a salvific uh, relationship with Jesus Christ, I think when you come face to face with the true power and authority and sovereignty of God, I think it reveals and releases a fear that isn't like any other fear that we've ever experienced in this life. I believe it. I've experienced it in my own life. It's not the same kind of fear that like you're unsure of outcomes, but a fear of knowing you're in the presence of a holy God. So the question, here's my question. The question is of why should we fear God? You know, when I read this and I look at the entirety of the Bible and looked at my own life, the question really is why should we not fear God? Anybody with me on that? Like, why should we not fear him? And so now let's keep reading because this is where Jesus helps us with our perspective of what a healthy fear looks like. Because I think for us, fear is such a negative, right? Like fear, when we think about fear, it's like a negative thing. We don't wanna have it, shouldn't be that. I talked about my kids all the time about that. Like we don't have a spirit of fear, a spirit of power and self-control. The Holy Spirit's lives, right? So, so uh, but be, because why we value the fear in a negative or see fear in a negative way, it's because God doesn't wanna see it that way either. He doesn't want us to be afraid. God doesn't want us to be afraid. He wants this to be a driving thing to why we follow and adore and go after him. So let's look at what happens and how Jesus kind of sets them right. So here's what happens next. It says, but Jesus came, so they're terrified. They're, they're down on their faces. And he says, get up, don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except for Jesus. And so Jesus comes in. I love this. He comforts them, right? He, he directs them. And, and so gang, listen to me. In, in these seven verses here, in these eight verses, 
what happens here is this is what it's showing us this is showing us the fullness and the tension of fearing God's power and also seeing his love and comfort for us I think that that there are all kinds of outcomes that 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 happen as a result of having a healthy fear of God and believers and so what I want to do today is is I as as we look at the context of the story and the fear the healthy fear that we should have I want to take a look at three outcomes uh, of having a healthy fear of God uh, to show a framework of, of how it gets Christians there how it actually gets them and why it's seen in Christians who are changed by Christ. And then what I think we can do is look at these things and just have a moment again, have a real moment with each of these, just to ask like, how am I doing there? Where am I at with this? What am I seeing in my life as a result? And ask ourselves whether or not, listen, that we truly have a healthy fear of God, of the creator of the universe and the salvation of our souls, okay? So here's the first outcome of a healthy fear of God. If you're taking notes, it's this, it's surrender. It's surrender, Healthy fear produces surrender. And so we saw it right there in the story with the disciples, right? Once, once the fear of God came in, what did they do? What did they do? They fell on their faces. That's what they did. And so when they realized the God of the universe and his presence, they completely surrendered. That's what they did. They just, they gave up, right? Now, now let's come to us. Let's have a real, like some real talk with us. In our lives, in real life, when do we surrender? Never, right? We don't surrender. That's not what we do. It's the last thing you would, don't give up. Don't surrender. You go till everything's, uh, nothing left and all that stuff. Even in the story, here's what you can see if you go back and read it again. They don't surrender until, I mean, they hold on for dear life. Though even when Jesus is transfigured, he say, they're still holding on until they could, it wasn't a choice anymore. When they saw God, here's what, they finally raised the white flag. They're like, I'm done. They had no choice. And so here's the point. Here's the point, everybody, in this one. You don't surrender when you're unafraid. You surrender when you're terrified, right? You surrender when you're terrified. You don't surrender when you think you have a way out. You surrender when there's no way out. So how do you know if you have a healthy fear of the Lord? It's when you surrender yourself as God and realize who God really is. You hear me out there? That's when it happens. That's when it happens. And so again, just here's what I get to do to ask. Looking at your surrender to God, how would you say you're doing? Are you surrendered to him? Or do you see still yourself as God? You're leading your own life. Or are you surrendered to him? A healthy fear of God surrenders. Here's the second outcome is that it's trust. Trust. So, so when you surrender yourself over to something this big and amazing like Jesus, see, that kind of surrender, it generates an incredible trust in that thing that you surrender to. That's, so again, you see what happens. I love the picture of Jesus with these guys. Uh, just think about how they've been with him and how they know Jesus, right? And so when he sees their total surrender to God, when he came, he says, I love it. He's like, hey, it's me, it's me, it's okay. Hey, look up, look at me, eyes on me. That's what he, and they see him and they, and they know him, and they trust him. They're like, okay, it's you, I, I'm back with you. I just love that. So how, here's my question. How much trust had to be there for them to look back up with what just happened? And so here's what stuck out to me even looking at my own life and my faith journey with God. See, when we surrender to God, and again, that means you're just giving up. You see who he is for real. And when you give up and you surrender, see, he, you know what he does? It's awesome. He gives you an immediate love and immediate mercy. How great is that? That's what Jesus just did. Immediate love, immediate comfort, immediate mercy. Anybody hear me out there? So that's what happens when you surrender to him and give him the trust. And that's why we want to give trust to him. So healthy fear creates surrender that turns into trust. So again, I just think it's an easy thing to look at with your trust level of God. 
Where's your trust level with God these days? Here's what it looks like. Trusting God means that everything that he says in the Bible is right and I will live accordingly. You hear what I'm saying? Trusting God means that everything that he puts in the Bible is right and I will live accordingly. Or do I kind of second guess with my feelings? Or do I kind of pick and choose where I want to follow or not? See, having a healthy fear will drive us towards trusting God in the gray areas of life, in the areas where my desires feel differently or following him, even when I don't feel like it or when my preferences are different. When I, again, all that stuff, it's like, no, I've already surrendered to you and I trust you completely. So even when it butts up against what I'm not feeling is right, I'm gonna believe that you are right. So there's an incredible amount of trust when you have a healthy fear of the Lord. And here's the third one, praise, praise. The Bible teaches over and over again that a response to a fear that creates surrender and gives us trust and confidence in our lives is praise. That's the outcome, praise. And here's why. See, I hope you understand this. I hope you know this. See, the Jesus we just read about is the same Jesus that exists today. Anybody believe that out there? Come on, somebody. Anybody believe that out there? He never changes. He stays the same. And so when we see that, when we really understand that he never changes, that is the same Jesus that we just read about that exists today. And when we see how big he really is, see, then it creates a fear that turns into surrender, that creates trust, it turns into incredible praise. It turns into praise to him. And so I'm just here to tell you, man, here's what I'm gonna tell you. Some of you still might think this, the opposite of this. It's not a crazy thing to fear God. It's actually crazier to not. It's a crazier thing to go through this life as a believer in him and not fearing him every day in your life because when you see for who, who he really is and see what he can really do, man, I'm just telling you, and for some of you here, I know you don't, you, he may not be that big to you yet. And some of you might claim Jesus, he might not be that big to you yet, yet. But I'm just telling you, the more you go after him, the more that you seek him out, the more truth will be revealed. And my hope is you continue the search for the God of the universe who created every single thing and knows every single hair on your head. He will become bigger to you. And the bigger he gets to you, the more you want to surrender to him, I'm telling you. And the more trust will come in and the more praise will come. Because for many of us in here, for many of us, we already know that. And come on, we praise him for that. Amen, somebody? Yes, we pray. Let's wake up a little bit. It's January. Let's go. I want to have some healthy fear of the Lord in this season of my life. So here's my challenge. Here's my challenge for you believer how long has it been since you've thought about your fear of the lord for real how long have you how long has it been since i'm like how how healthy is my fear of you the kind of causes this reaction of surrender total surrender and trusting you no matter what how long since you've remembered just your salvation and, and just emptied your lungs out because of what jesus did for you just said i'm gonna praise you for that man i'm gonna give you everything that i got and it just leaves you trembling and and speechless and on your face with him. It's, if it's been a while, here's what I want. I want to encourage you today. If it's been a while since you've done that, I want to encourage you to ponder that for a minute. Maybe today, maybe this week, uh, take some time and find it again, find it again. I'm gonna help us out with three things really quick to end, three things uh, that we could choose to be passionate for God in. And here's the first one that we're gonna do if you wanna find this, is that we gotta read his word every day. These are everyday things that we're gonna do, these three things. We're gonna read his word every day. Uh, we have to fight to stay in God's presence every single day. And don't mistake this, I say this all the time, it's a fight. It's a fight to stay in his word. It's a fight to be in his word every day. If you wonder why it's so hard to get up and why it's so hard to read the Bible, is because, listen everybody, you're not just fighting sleep. You are fighting an active enemy who doesn't want you in the word. Anybody hear me out there? So you gotta fight, it's a fight, right? You are fighting a spiritual battle, that's real. And so I just wanna encourage you I wanna encourage you here in this place because that world out there is just continually trying to influence you the other way. And so we don't do that. We don't go that way. And if you, 
If you think you're placing yourself in God's presence without fighting for it, then you're already losing everybody. If you don't feel like you're really fighting, you don't feel that tension and fight, you're losing. You're losing, don't lose, all right? Be on the winning ways, okay? And so you have to find time every day to be in God's word. Don't let one day go by without just one verse to chew on, right? And fight to give God the, I'm telling first part of your day, first part, for your, you know, feet hit the ground. Just give him a prayer. God, I'm yours today. I'm yours today. Hey, good morning, Lord. Come on, let's get some, some Lord and then the coffee, right? I said, I gotta push myself. I need coffee really quick, you know what I'm saying? But I'm like, I need God more, right? So I, that's where I'm pushing myself today. Before I drink a cup of coffee, I'm gonna say, God, you're my cup of coffee, okay? Like, that's, that's, so you can like pray for me in that area because that's where I want to be with him, okay? That's the first thing. Second one is we worship every day. Worship every day. Find a way to worship God every day, not just here on Sundays. And I'm talking about singing to him, just having that melody. You know what I'm saying? That melody, and it looks different for us. So I'm just saying having that melody in your heart for him to worship him. We cultivate God's presence in worship. I'm gonna say that again. We cultivate God's presence through worship. I gotta tell you, God, God is just attracted to worship. He really is. Something that happens there. Something happens different. And I'm just, I'm saying one of the things uh, that I've gotten more convinced of as I go through this journey with God in my life is I believe there is a absolute key to our worship in his presence. I really believe there's a key to our worship in his presence. I'm doubling down on that. So, so uh, if you're trying to find God, just worship and he will come to you. James 4 says, draw near to him and he will draw near to you. Do you believe that out there? And so we come to him every day and listen to me, like uh, find ways to worship during the week. Find something, like, before you get ready for that walk, like, just play a song. Find a worship song to play. Find something that, that you can get you thinking about that. Listen to while you walk, while, while, while you're working out, while you're driving to work. It'll change your perspective if you find the right worship music, I'm telling you. And it'll, change, it'll remember your position with your heavenly Father, okay? And listen to me. When you feel that tug, and you will, or when that thought comes up, man, I just sleep in <laughs> I'm just gonna sleep in and, and or man, why is it so difficult to open up my Bible? Oh man, I don't wanna read numbers, right? Like, or whatever it is, or, or I don't feel like worshiping. Call it what it is. That is the enemy trying to keep you away and just say, nope, not today. I'm not gonna do that. I am going to fight. I am ready to fight, okay? So we worship every day. Here's the third one. This is the best one, but I think it's the trickiest one is that we've gotta find all in God every day. Find some awe in God every single day. I think this is the easiest one, but it could be the trickiest one because listen, God's creation is everywhere. He didn't have to make it the way he did, but man, he made this place beautiful, didn't he? And so I don't think it's that hard. Uh, so it should only really take looking up into the sky sometimes and just saying, man, and, and just giving him the right glory for it. But it's the intentionality of giving God credit, okay? Honestly, here, when I just sit on my porch and I look out and I see the sunrise, that's all it takes for me. Because listen, I didn't set the sun. No man set the sun. You did, God. That's amazing, God. I'm in awe of you. So just find awe in God. And it looks different for different people. And, you know, so I mean, sometimes even when I walk my dog, I want to have intentionality. Just when I, honestly, when I feel the breeze come, I'm like, God, you, thank you. Thank you that it's not a strong breeze. You know, I don't know. Like I just, so when we fear the Lord through awe, we can see that God is the all-powerful creator who is the source of all wisdom. And, and I think when we can get there, it wakes us up. I just think some of us need woken up a little bit to the reality that God's, God's presence, did you, it's always here. It's always here. And so you, it's not that he's not doing it. It's like we're not putting ourselves in the right position to experience the presence and the provision that he wants to give us. And so we have to recognize these all. Does this make sense, everybody? And so I think these are easy things to do. And so, because doing these things, I'm telling you, are gonna drive us to have a different, better 
perspective of God and they tell us that, here's what they tell us. This is where I think a lot of you need to get in this new year with you and your journey with God. Do you know what all these things tell us? Is that we have a God who's not just in some heaven, light years away, pushing buttons of judgment and buttons of love. We have a personal God who made you and he knows you. And he gave you the person of Jesus as God in the flesh who came down to rescue you. It's the same, he's the same. It's the same God who created the universe and, and the stars and the birds and the light and the dark and everything that ever it was and it ever will be. That same God came to earth. And I'm telling you, that is plenty, plenty reason to be passionate about him. Amen, everybody? Let's pray. God, I, I pray today. I, I actually, I, I wanna pray that we just have a better understanding of what a healthy fear looks like. I think so many of us grew up with an unhealthy understanding of what fear in the Lord looks like. The fear that you want us to have is beautiful. It's amazing. It's awe-inspiring. It causes so many things to happen in our lives. And it's, you, give us, you give us through our surrender, trust, and praise of you an amazing comfort, an amazing presence of you if we have a healthy fear of you. I just pray that over everybody here who has ears to hear this for what you're trying to speak to them about. And I just pray that that allows us to move closer to you, closer to having a passionate, enthusiastic reason for living for you. I think we all agree that living your way is better. I just pray that we're passionate about it. We have an enthusiasm about it and that we just that we become more passionate followers for you. Thank you for Jesus and what he did. Thank you that he made all this possible. And, and as we're praying, some of you right here this morning, as we're setting a new year, I just wanna say maybe some of you here are still wrestling with who Jesus is and, and what he means to your life. And, and I just wanna take a minute really quick as we're praying to invite you to allow yourself to consider Jesus and who he claims to be, what he claimed to do, because he did it. He came to live the life you could not live, a sinless life. He came to die the death that we deserve and he gave, he, God raised him from the dead to show and prove that he was God with us who came to rescue you from sin and death and, and that he's the only way to a right relationship with you and God and the choice you need to make right now, I'm not talking about these five choices, you need to choose to surrender your life to, to the savior of the world, Jesus Christ and you can choose to believe, you can do that right now in this moment and if you've never come to a decision point with, your, with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he came to rescue you from your life of sin and death, there is no better time to make Jesus the Savior of life than right now. And so you could do this right now. Yeah, I'm just gonna lead you in a prayer. Uh, if that's you, you could pray this. You could pray, God, I am choosing to believe in Jesus today. I'm ready to make Jesus the Savior of my life, and I surrender my life to him. I, I admit my sin, and that I have been my own God, Forgive me, make me new, fill me with your spirit, and I commit my life to you from this day on. God, for anybody who prayed that prayer, I pray that they feel the presence of the Holy Spirit who just entered in and the new relationship that they have, that they've been made right with you because of Jesus. We celebrate that. We welcome them into this community of faith, and we thank you and believe uh, all of this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Hey, everybody, I hope this was a good choice. Go out there. I pray you're pondering a little bit about the fear of God, and if you did make that decision to follow Jesus, say if you pray that prayer, uh, fill out a connect card. Come find one of us, me, Chad, or Blair. We would love to get you the next step, and we we will see you next week for the next choice we'll make.